Ahoy there, me mateys. It be me, Captain Chessbeard, and this here be the 122nd episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Yar. On this episode, Alan Gearding, that land number, interviews Ben Canellis, better known as Sir Weenie, game designer of Red Scare, Pitten, and the upcoming Night Falls game. On this episode, they record in Alan Gearding's car, using but his iPhone. You will hear background sounds, you will hear their winter coats shuffling, and you will hear all sorts of atmospherical, magical audio conniptions. These two poor excuses of cabin boys try their best to tell long tales of misery, frustration, while in the tabletop industry. <laughs> so let's raise the mizzen, hoist the anchor, and set sail on this here adventure of the Tuesday Night Podcast, already in action. Oh, that's ingenious. It's crazy, right? Wow. It just, <laughs> it works really well, that's too. fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's what, what I've been oh, using. Oh my god, that's... Just put the pop filter right on the phone. I wish I, I feel like that's a million dollar idea. <laughs> it's, so just, dumb. it's so dumb. I googled pop filters for iPhone, and this is the first thing that came up on so many sites. Just take a regular microphone, pop cover, and... Oh, so you didn't buy something... I thought you bought, like, a special... No, this is just, this, <laughs> this is literally just a pop filter that fits I, on top I of. See, I see it now. I feel even dumber. <laughs> Did thought, you think I custom made this no, and cut it out of no, something? I thought, you custom bought it. I thought, no. I thought someone just makes these and sells, <laughs> and sells these no. on your phone. No. I'm so dumb. <laughs> oh, shit. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. I'm here with a special guest, and by special, I mean Sir Weenie. I am the first to EGOT. I am the first. You explained this to me already, but EGOT, I never heard that expression before. What the hell's an EGOT? Uh, It's uh, Emmy. Grammy, Oscar, Tony, so the very accomplished actors try to EGOT. And so I am a knight, noble, and... A knave. Knave. You listen to the show, too. Oh, no, no, but I've, I've, done the, I've done the call-in, I've done the volunteer, and now I'm full-on guesting. Right. We don't have a name yet for what we call our volunteers at shows. I thought they had a title of some sort. We used to call them booth monkeys, but that was just kind of what we called them in the background. But if we can come up with some something that jives with knave, knight, and noble... I, I thought for sure there was something, but... We'll come up with it. Better yet, if you can think of a name for it, I'm talking to you, listener, knave, knight, whatever. 
Right in. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. So, you're Sir Weenie, but what's your actual name? Uh, I'm Benjamin Canellis. I am a game designer. Woo! Woo! And what are your games? Uh, currently in circulation is Red Scare from Pandasaurus. There is also Bitten from Cat Dragon Games. And forthcoming Kickstarter at some point, uh, Night Falls by Everything Epic Games. Today's topic is going to be terrible experiences within the tabletop industry, which is why I'm glad I brought you, Aww. Sir Weenie, because I've had terrible times with you. No, not actually. <laughs> That's, I don't know why I even said that. I'm pretty excited about Night Falls. Is it plural? Night Falls? Yeah, like Night Falls, like the act. Like the verb. Yes. What the hell is Night Falls? What is the spirit of the game in a minute? You are a town... Imp. I don't even know if that's... Every it, town has an imp? Yeah, a town imp. I, I think that's probably politically incorrect. I don't know, and I apologize if I'm insulting an imp, but basically... Oh, like Tyrion Lannister is called an imp. This is the person in the town that everyone likes to kick in the ass and they make fun of, and I mean, it's like a, a jester by a, there's choice. A, there's a town drunk. Not the town drunk, no, because the town drunk... Everyone's not mean to the town drunk. The town drunk is mean to him or herself by constantly getting drunk and ending up in these precarious situations. I guess the town's mean for calling them a drunk. I'm rambling. Point is, you're the person everyone makes fun of in the town. Yeah, that's really mean. <laughs> so I don't know how you're going to pull this off. What is Nightfalls? In a minute. Elevator going up. Uh, don't hit me. Uh, you look like you'd have fun with, like, up to 32 of your friends. I don't have any, so I can't play this game. Because it's a mega game. Don't you know what a mega game is? Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Don't have to twist my arm. Stop, please. A mega game is like a LARP with an RPG and, you know, war game elements and yada yada. But you play with lots of people. Like, up to 200. This game doesn't go that big. Oh, stop, stop. Ow. But, yes, it's a bunch of fun. <laughs> Ridiculous. I can see why the town likes to kick you. It's a mega game. So mega game, from my understanding, is a game you have to sign up for in advance, and they breeze in through town almost like a snake oil salesman. You come in, and it's a whole few hours at least. Oh, those of you, I mean, you have a friendly relationship with Shut Up and Sit Down. They put together... A great video. So if you're wondering what a mega game is, just Google shut up and sit down plays a goddamn mega game. The moment I saw it, I was like, I've got to play one of these. They usually have 8 to 20 people running for 50 to 200 players. It's usually 8. You said 50 to 100? Some go up to 200-ish. Okay. It'll play for about 8 to 12 hours. Like, it's an all-day event. But there you go. Like, that's the issue that they're not reaching out further is because it's not scalable. You can't be like, hey, who wants to play a mega game? You like, you have to rent a space and sell tickets and get people prepared and train your controllers. It's a whole thing. So after I played in a couple of these, I was like, nothing is scratching that itch. I want to play this. I'm like, well, I'm a game designer. I can, I can do this. Let's scale it so that one person can run it by themselves. So think of it like sort of like Dungeons and Dragons requires a dungeon master. So you're sort of the one handling the, the master of ceremonies in a way for eight to 32 of your friends. And it plays in around two hours. It's like a party game on steroids. If you're wondering what mechanically it would feel like, there's sort of four main stations, like a marketplace where you're buying and selling and trading goods, a council where you're arguing with people and voting for things, 
the cityscape where you're you're moving your troops around and the edicts where someone's telling the troops what to do. And all of these minigames play into one another. They all bounce off each other and what's happening in one station ha- uh, affects the other station. As a player, if you are representing your team in that station, no other player from your team can come in and see what's going on in the station or help you out. So you're constantly having to run to a neutral zone and pull your other teammates out to the neutral zone and be like, listen, the green team is making a really hard move on the map. What are they voting for? And you, your teammate who's in the council is like, oh, they're voting that all the attacks are stronger this round. We're like, all right, well, let's try and avoid the green team and you know, you'll have more information that way. The way I've explained it before is that there's four totally different types of games going on simultaneously teams each have a player in each of those four games and the points that i win in my game are like currency in your game and the things you buy in your game you give me to actually use in my game yeah yeah i mean they're they're all interconnected the key to doing well is communicating with your team because you are seeing a board state and information that no one else has and the only way your team can know what they should be doing is, is is how well you can communicate that to your teammates it's all about inter-team communication. And imagine playing in a board game that's so big and so expansive with so many side plots and things going on. Like, you can never have perfect information. So you may be doing something that seems completely rational, and then you go back to your team and they're like, no, 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 why did you attack green? We were working with them. <laughs> Wait, you killed one of their players? Oh, dude, they're going to come for us next round. I just sold them a bunch of attack cards. Like, this is terrible. And you're like, well, they just seem to be really violent. So I wanted to stop them. So it's a comedy of errors in a lot of ways. I've played a couple of times and these conversations have definitely happened where one teammate comes up and says, I want to make a deal with Red. And I've said, no, fuck Red, because they just screwed us back there. Like, oh, we're working really well on the map section. Yeah, well, when it comes to the buying and selling of goods in my section, their route is all hell. So, no, we're just totally scorch-earthing Red at this point. It's really cool on the dynamic. What's the fewest amount of players that can play this then? It goes down to eight. And You've I, played with eight? I have played with eight. And I've actually gone down as low as four. So if someone wants to play it sort of more like a board game, instead of separating those stations, you bring it all together and you play as the master of all the stations. It is a real-time game, so it definitely has a different feel than a lot of board games that are out there. But if you want the game to sing, about 12 to 16 players is starting to hit that sweet spot where there's enough different teams and different dynamics to bounce off one another at that point. I've seen you host this game. I've never seen anyone else host this game. Have you? Yeah, I have not seen other players host this game, but the publisher has run multiple events at multiple venues. It's not something that only I can do. Most everything is automated. You know, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's a lot of improvisation from the dungeon master, and your experience in Dungeons and Dragons is going to be largely dependent on what kind of energy your dungeon master brings to the game. But most of what the moderator is doing is sort of like, keeping time, answering rules questions, and making sure that players know their options. So it's not like you're really steering the ship. You're basically babysitting and making sure they're behaving themselves and they go where they need to go at the right time so they're not just screwing the game up for everybody else. Right. The nice thing about moderating this game is a lot of the times after like the second or third round, everything's basically on autopilot at that point. Most of the players know what's going on. And I can just walk around and be the fly in the wall in all the areas, because remember, if you're a player, you can't go to the mini games that you're not taking part in. And I can just watch 
the terrible things that they're trying to do <laughs> fall apart or the comedy of errors or two teams think that they're in an alliance and then not be in the alliance. It's really fun as an observer. With the lower player counts, if you have a group of players who have played before, you can do it without the moderator because it's all board game rules. You just have to have someone sync up their timepieces so that people know when the round is over. So if you're experienced enough, jump right into it. But is it hitting Kickstarter? Do you know when it is? Is there set dates yet? Uh, Nightfalls, it's vampire and villager themed at this point with stretch goals for additional factions. So we're hopefully going to have the Kickstarter sometime around Halloween. But if you follow me at BK Game Design on Facebook, the tweets, Instagram, all that stuff, I'm sure I'll be letting people know when the Kickstarter is about to go live if you're interested. That's cool because the theme is Halloween-esque because you're either humans or vampires, correct? In the base game, yes. In the base game? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, where are we right now? This is, we're at a special location in that it's called Cleveland Concoction. I've never been here before. What the hell is Cleveland Concoction? Uh, it's a local fan-run geeky convention. They sort of do it all. Cosplay and board gaming and RPGs and filk and all. What the hell's filk? Like folk music that is nerdy i've never listened to it <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard of it phil yeah oh no i never heard of it every morning the alarm goes off and knocks me out of bed i rush to catch the bus to get to work and bash some heads my boss is screaming murder as i punch the clock at nine i grab my blade and armor and start hacking up the line i'm a nine to five barbarian don't have to do no paperwork, I'm happy as a clam Not a farmer or librarian I'm a killer with a vengeance and a profit-sharing plan This is my first time here. Have you gone here every year since it started? Yeah, I think this is its third year, so this is me in oh, its okay. third year being here. But this is the first year that they're bringing a protospiel in, so... Ooh. Which is why I was here. I got invited. Protospiel is where you get a whole bunch of would-be designers, maybe even some established designers. We're designers. Everyone's a designer in their own right. You get some would-be designers that... <laughs> Show up and they peddle their wares, get some playtesting in, and maybe some publishers are there too. It's a to take a like convention where people who want to get feedback or want to get their game looked at by publishers can run their games and get it played by other game designers. And you generally get pretty good feedback at these because everyone is there in the same mindset of game design. Most people can take a critical look and know what's working or not working within a game system. You don't just get town yahoos coming in and be like there's not enough unicorns you need more unicorns in your game right and you know i don't know a lot of these people from adam so it's not like i'm playing with my family and they're like oh you did such a great game benny <laughs> yeah it's funny because protospiel that's where we realized we had a game with two rooms and a boom we went to protospiel in michigan and that's when we realized oh crap we have something here Protospiel, is that like a trademark name? Is that an ongoing thing that travels all over the country? Where else can we get Protospiel? Okay, so my understanding, and I may be incorrect, but David Wittitcher, or... Yeah. He started the original Protospiel, I think, in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. It was popular enough that other people wanted to run their similar event, and David was like, well, just keep it under the same name. And so it's sort of become like a branded thing 
where people know what to expect at these events. Sort of like Unpub. What's the difference between Unpub and Protospiel? Are you not a representative of either of these bodies, so you're not a person to ask? I have no information on that. I, In my mind, they're synonymous. This interview's over. You're useless. Do I, is there a difference? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I'm sure there's a difference in name at least, but behind people who run it, I assume. From my understanding, and I could be totally wrong, Protospiel, as you said, started in Michigan, Ann Arbor, and kind of has this Northeast Territory thing, Michigan, Ohio, same place where you can get Sweetest Day and American Greetings, but Unpub is more in the Southern region, maybe more Midwest. I think Unpub, for some reason, I think is in Texas. Man, I'm really ill-formed. I thought Unpub was Chicago. (laughs) See? We shouldn't be talking about this because we don't know. The one thing I know about Unpub is they do a better job of tracking their game designers and their games. So they ask you to register with them and put the name of your prototype and what stage they are in into like this central database. Basically because I think they're looking to have a way to keep score of like how many things that have come through Unpub that have hit store shelves in published form. I mean, same mission, but Unpub may have a little bit more programming on their website. So we're the poor man's unpub is Protospiel. Well, I think Protospiel is the original. But I am talking out of my ass at the moment. Yeah, what are we talking about? We're talking, this is how rumors start. Yeah, we might oh, as well. I, I heard that David Whittaker eats babies, and that's the reason Protospiel is taken off, is the souls of the children are now damned within him. Right, and when you eat babies, you also eat their lack of organization, so therefore we don't have the organization skills. I'm saying we, now I'm part of Protospiel? I don't know. Anyways... I have opinions about protospiel and prototype game design groups. I'm speaking from my own personal experience, but that leads me into the topic of the episode, unpleasant experiences in the tabletop industry. Excuse me, Sam, do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. Story is my experience bringing my own prototypes into the public, specifically game design meetups. So if you have a prototype and you go to a game design group, it is great because of the type of feedback you get. It's people that are very similar minded. You get your game on the table and you get valuable feedback, also garbage feedback, but at least it's not from the common person. It's from other people that are designers. Whoa, 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 way to punch down on the common man. It's true. I mean, there is value, though. Like, seriously, like, playing with Grandma, Grandma has a perspective that your average board game player doesn't have at a design meetup. You're definitely netting a specific group of individuals when you have a game design meetup. I think it's great. You get a lot of feedback and playtesting, and you don't exhaust your playtesters. Because one of the big problems is if you keep on playing with your friends and friends and friends... Burnout! Total burnout. They don't want to play it anymore. Also, you're getting the same feedback from the same people. However, once upon a time, I was a part of a design and playtesting group, and I was very active in there, and I had a great time doing it. I slowly started noticing that some games seemed to be borrowing mechanics from some of my games that I presented. I thought, that's okay, I guess that's par for the course. Sure, that's interesting, and I probably inspired that, but I was inspired too. I can totally accept that. Let's go on though. Let's go further down this rabbit hole. There is a event coming on, 
Ancon. And this is basically one of those very small gaming meetups. Regional. Very regional. It's basically the same damn people you see at your game store and maybe some of the other people you see at the game store that's 20 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. They need an event. And I remember thinking pretty hard and coming up with something that I called the Iron Geek. I didn't know this was your creation. Exactly. No one does because no one said, oh, Alan came up with Iron Geek. It was just like, this group came up with Iron Geek, but from the whole idea of you get random components, you come up with a random theme. It's Iron Chef for game design. It's Iron Chef for game design. No credit. I wasn't executing it. I wanted to participate. So not a big deal that no one said, oh, Alan came up with the Iron Geek. Because it's not that original in my mind anyways. Like, it was only a matter of time before... No one was stroking your ego. I get it. No one stroking my ego. But keep in mind, a big part of game design, you have to understand, definitely comes from requesting some ego stroking. The reason we want our games published is so we can see our name in cardboard. You're so selfish. I know it is selfish. It comes from a need. It comes from a psychological need of validation of that whole love and belongingness and respect and security. Our needs aren't always dark in nature, but they're there, they're realistic. Let me go on. So no big deal, because I want to participate in it as well. The first Iron Geek we did at the local game store just to kind of test it out, not a big deal. There was only, I think, three competitors. Really good group of judges and competitors. It was fun. Next year, I believe it was actually at a convention. I think it was Ancon. Mm -hmm. Picked up Iron Geek. I didn't win. I got my ass handed to me at that competition. And I remember being a little salty about it. And this, by the way, I didn't start this story by saying, I'm going to look great at this story. <laughs> I think anytime we talk about times we've been upset, there's always going to be this, why don't you just grow up and not be upset? That shouldn't upset you. Because the stakes are really low. We're not talking about life and death. We're not talking about a huge loss of money. It's your ego. It's all ego-based. It's, it's so stupid. So, back up. I should preface this with, this is a dumb story about my own shattered ego. I can't wait to find out how petty this is and how like upset you are. I'm so excited. It's, it's pretty bad. Here we go. So the second Iron Geek, the theme is reflections. Do you remember this? I, at this point, I am the one organizing the Iron Geeks. Yes. So I am very aware. I have no idea where the story is going. <laughs> so we're doing reflections. And in reflections, we have to team up with someone. In the first Iron Geek, it was everyone for themselves. You get like three hours to come up with some game based around some theme with these limited amount of game. It's exactly to... like the game jams are today for video gamers, except since we're doing it paper and pencil, we can do it so much quicker. So it's a two, it was, I believe it was a two hour event with an two, hour. Two, three hours. Two hour event, one hour of judging. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Three hour event. Now it's two hours. I have to be with a teammate. My teammate gentle person. I don't even remember the person's name. I apologize if you're listening to this. Do you remember who my teammate was? Were you with Tim? I don't remember. I think you might have been with Tim Jesserin. No, I was not with Tim. Oh. No, no. I wish. Tim, yeah, it was amazing. No. Tim, Tim Jesserin, amazing guy. He's the guy who came up with Dome Crushers, and that's where my story's going. What? Yes. What, what is going on? This is a long story. <laughs> so, Reflections. I didn't come up with one, but I came up with five different games you could use 
by playing with a mirror. I remember this. It's like cranium, you gotta go around the block, you gotta get at least one point from each of these different reflection games. For instance, one was as simple as you have to draw. But through a maze. Through and a maze, but it's through a mirror. The judges come in, and from my understanding, the idea was make a game you can in two hours, most fun game wins. We had- Larry Rosnai? Is that it? He's from Mayfair, Mayfair. Mayfair Games. What's his name? Larry Rosnai, R-O-Z-N-A-I, I believe. Larry from Mayfair Games is there. And I apologize, Larry, because you did a great job being a judge. But Larry has a different perspective. And he comes in and he says, I really like your game, but no one in hell would publish it because of all the components. It's unpublishable. It's way too expensive of a game. Never in my designing did I ever think, oh, I'm designing a game that is publishable for manufacturing parts and whatever. Me being a little bit of a poor sport, I think I lost graciously, but in my head I was thinking, if someone had mentioned that we have to keep component cost in mind, I wouldn't have done this. I would have totally changed what I was doing. It never entered into my designing because I didn't think I was designing for a publisher. It was great feedback, and it's definitely great feedback for those of you that are listening to this that want to pitch a game to a publisher. Component cost is a big thing. Anyway, I decide, you know what? Next year, I'm not going to compete. I was too emotional reactive. I felt bad about myself. I didn't share this. I wasn't raging, but of course I went home and I was like, I can't believe this bullshit. I can't believe I lost because of component cost. What the hell is that? I didn't know. Like Everyone's like, that game's great. Too expensive. Moving on. Well, okay. I want to defend Larry for just a moment. I don't think I'm attacking Larry. No, 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 no. no, no. He was great. We always brought in a panel, and these were our gaming guests of honors. You know, this is a small con. If someone sends somebody out, we're like, all right, you're going to be a judge making this special for them. And so we just said, we want you to bring your field of expertise as a judge, whatever that is. And I guess Larry took that as... My expertise is Publishing. manufacturing prices. <laughs> yes. Yes. He also had the loudest voice because none of the other judges were as celebrity-esque, yeah, if you will. He, he was the biggest. It yeah. was basically Larry chose what the game was. Right. Well, he, you know, you're right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I went home, going back to the story. I was like, this is bullshit. Calm down. This isn't a big deal. The stakes aren't high. Telling myself all the stuff that an adult's supposed to tell themselves. Next year, I'm just not going to compete. You showed up anyway. I showed up as a judge. Yeah! <laughs> so I judged the next, the next year. People had to team up again. Two of the competitors that were grouped up together were from our game design group. And the game they presented was, no exaggeration, one of my games with the only change being the theme and one little rule. This game wasn't a simple deck building game. This game wasn't just a simple drafting game. I'm not talking about one mechanic. I'm talking about every little piece of that game was replicated and put forth. And never was it mentioned, oh, this is very similar to your game, Alan. And at that point, the judges at the end were like, we obviously have to give it to this game that these two dudes brought forward because it's an excellent, excellent game. And I had to tank them. And that's kind of what pisses me off. I feel bad about 
having a voice, this game isn't original. This game is totally ripped off of another game that I know both of these gentlemen have played before, and the theme is different, and one rule's different, and that one rule isn't big enough. They were going to win, and I never told anyone except my wife about the story, and now I'm telling all of the internets our names and nights. At that point, I'm done with prototype groups. I'm no longer going to- Is that to... why you don't come anymore? That is totally why I don't go anymore. I miss you at the prototype nights. It's been so long. That was too close to home. And I know that this totally goes against everything I want to tell whoever's listening to this is that you can't be so protective of your games. You don't want to bring non-disclosure agreements to publishers that you're showing games. And your games have to see the light of day. But here are two guys I still consider friends that totally did this. And here's the weird thing. I don't think they realized they did it. Is it sort of like a Louis C.K. Dane Cook thing? Yes. For the uninitiated, the idea is that a lot of people accuse Dane Cook of stealing Louis C.K.'s material. Right. And there's a great Louis C.K. episode where he confronts Dane Cook about it. And, and Dane Cook says, like, I, you know, might have been subconscious. 2006 was the greatest year of my entire life. I had a double platinum comedy album. First one ever to exist. I had a massive HBO special. I was on the cover of Time. But you were on the corner, the little corner thing. It wasn't the, not like when the president is on the cover. 2006. That should have been like my triumph. And I enjoyed it, Louis, for maybe two months. Two months before it started to suck. Because everything I read about me was about how I stole jokes from you, which I didn't. I kind of think you did. Dude, why would I steal three jokes from you when I have hours of material? Why? Why would I do that? Risk my reputation. Because they were funny jokes. You know what, Louie? You know what the biggest lie in the world is? That I'm a rock star, I'm a millionaire, I'm, I'm, I'm a comedy behemoth, and you're like a comics comic, and you're an inside joke guy, and I'm a sellout, and, 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 and I sold my soul, and you have, you have artistic integrity, and you're a, you're a good guy. You let your name be used to hurt me. And now you're sitting here asking me to use my fame to get you tickets to Lady Gaga? I mean, how shitty do you feel right now? Very. So you admit that this is all bullshit. You want to know what I think? You want... I don't think that you saw me do those jokes and said, I'm going to tell those jokes too. I don't think there's a world where you're that stupid or that bad a guy. I, I, I do think, though, that you're like, you're like a machine of success. You're like a like a rocket, and you and you're rocketing to the stars, and your and your engines are sucking stuff up. Stuff is getting sucked up in your engines, like birds and bugs, and some of my jokes. I I I think you saw me do them. I know you saw me do them, and I think they just went in your brain. And I don't think you meant to do it, but I don't think you stopped yourself either. And that's why I never felt the need to help you not be hated by a lot of people. I think it's really tough for it to be totally subconscious because this game had very specific steps. It's basically the equivalent of, think of some Euro game and saying, well, instead of calling it- I know what it's like. It's like motherfucking wear words. <laughs> you gauntlets down! <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Ted Osbuck. <laughs> Whoa. Man, here's the thing. 
Werewords versus Insider, there's way more differences I, I between did. I I agree. I having played them both, I There's differences. There's differences. There's differences. Would someone say there's just as much difference between Werewords and Insider as there is between your original game, Alan, and their game that they submitted? No way. There was way few differences. <laughs> like it was like, uh, I can guarantee if they showed that game to anyone who has played my game, they'd say, dude, this is your game. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Then I'm very flattered. To the point where I'm so flattered. I'm not. I, I don't I don't go back to any of the places. So there's my very involved story. And I have other stories similar to that. And you don't want them to shy designers away to never coming out of their shell. Like this has happened before too. I've said, oh, this game's great. Why don't you make this change to it? They'll make that change. And then they'll show it to me saying, oh, I've made this great change. It totally makes the game better. And then I'm awkwardly looking at them and I have to say, um, yeah, that's what I told you. We talked about this. You don't remember that? And then you feel like a piece of shit being like, hey, where's the ego recognition here? But this also leads me to the last thing. I have, and I don't know what it's called, the curse of the GERD or something like that. I have helped playtest and develop so many games out there and magically my name doesn't end up in the rules as noted developers or playtesters to the point where I think, is this being done? This has to be done on purpose. Like, is there some type of rumor out there? Are you going into these playtests under the auspices that you will have your name in the rule book? Great question, Ben. I'm so glad you asked. Let's suppose you, uh-huh. me, Michael Mirth, a friend of ours, Good Michael guy. Mirth, yeah, Phil Migas, Good right? Guy. Good guy. We sit down and we all play a game. We'll say it's called Kings and Castles, a game by Tim Jesserun, and we're all providing feedback to it. In fact, I like it so much, I think, man, I would love to publish this game. So if you can't find another publisher, Tim, we'd like to do this. And then I remember talking about specifically, here's this card. Oh, you know what? Why don't you just make these knights a different value? And sure enough, he made the changed knights. So all of us were under the same guise. And I actually went ahead and I made art for the card so I could play test for Tim and do this kind of thing. And then the game gets picked up. It gets renamed Dome Crushers which not a big fan of the new name. Sorry. The game's ama- the game's one of my favorite games. Period. I love Dome Crushers. Which by the way, I played for over an hour on Sunday with my cousin and she told me the name's ridiculous. I was like, "Well, yeah, I don't know." She's like, "No, don't you know what that means?" Getting I was like, "Domed." Yeah, getting <laughs> domed. I didn't know it was a euphemism for oral sex. So, I didn't know that. She's like, "I can't help but think about this." The game's amazing. I'm not a fan of the theme. I'm a love of the mechanics. And we play this. This is so cool. Oh, I wonder if my name's in the credits. So I go to the back of the book. It says, Board Gamers of Greater Akron, Ben Canellis. Wait, I'm in the book? Yes, you're in the book. What? Sir Weenie, Phil Migas, Michael Mirth. Well, fuck you, man. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I gotta say, 
I on the other <laughs> side is a guy who's gone out and gotten a couple games signed. I have learned to make it a point to say that I need to have my playtesters or a list of playtesters recognized within the rule book because if you don't ask for that... Red Scare is one of the games, but you didn't mention anyone, so I can't even really mention If you that. don't ask that, you don't get that. Is my name in Red Scare? Oh, nobody's name's in Red Scare. There's no playtesters right. listed in Red Scare. Right. But here's the thing. I didn't realize... Like, ben, my... Michael Mirth, <laughs> Phil Midas... <laughs> So I wrote a review on, on BGG, and I said, I love this game. It's one of my favorite games. I gave it an 8 out of 10 because it's seriously one of my favorite games. The theme and the name kind of get in the way. And I'll even admit I'm a little salty because I wasn't mentioned as one of the playtesters. Tim wrote me this amazing Aww. message. It says, I'm really sorry I forgot your name. You'll always be a big part of it in my Aww. heart. Super nice guy. Like, Tim's amazing. You should have demanded in the reprints your name is be in that fucking book. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Put your foot down. Stand up your ego. Instead, I'm just going to passive-aggressively mention it on a podcast thing. Tim Jesserin sucks because he leaves stuff out. Tim's great. Tim, if you're listening to this, we're coming for you. Seriously, though, if you get a chance to play Dome Crushers, it is so simple and it is so addictive. Everyone should go out and buy Dome Crushers. And I'm not just saying that to make up for the fact that I just trash the experience. I'm not lying. It is one of my favorite games, period. How about you, sir? Uh, so I had some time to think while well, you've told your stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do have an experience that sticks with me. I wouldn't call it terrible, but like I would say moment of pure panic. Okay, it, it's, a, it's a terrible moment for me privately. It only affects me. And I mean, I think mine only affects okay, okay. me, right? Right. So, Red Scare. <laughs> it's getting released at Gen Con. Yes, I remember you said, I am good to volunteer, but I need to spend some time at the Pandasaurus booth yes. so I can go ahead and sign copies of Red Scare. So I go over to the Pandasaurus booth, and I have not seen the game yet. And I walk up, and they hand me the, the box. It's beautiful. This looks amazing. And I open it up, and I'm looking through the cars, and everything looks great. And I put on the glasses, and Red Scare is a social deduction game with decoder glasses. The whole game hinges upon these decoder glasses working. So I put on the decoder glasses, and they don't fucking work. So you're supposed to put it on and be able to see text. And I put it on, I can't see the text, and I'm quietly panicking to myself, oh shit, glasses don't work. Did they order however many copies they ordered from China and the glasses don't work? I mean, you were sitting amongst a pile of Red Scare. A pile of Red Scare with the publishers, like, beaming at me. <laughs> and they're saying, like, we're so proud of this. <laughs> You must be so excited. Yeah, this is this is great. Maybe it's just this pair of glasses. So I taking off the glasses, putting on other glasses, and I'm just panicking. I'm supposed to demo this. This this is this is this is I'm I'm dead. Like this is not gonna work. This this doesn't work. I'm sweat I I break out into a cold sweat. I shake my clammy hands with them. And I finish a two-hour shift the entire time, just the pit of my stomach is just like, your first game, you got your name on. It doesn't work. 
<laughs> the moment my shift was off, I, I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I was like, I gotta fucking get out of this. I rush up to the hotel room and you and Sean are there and you're like, how you doing? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta get this game out and see if the sunlight makes a difference. And I pull it out and I put on the Dakota glasses and it's just the lighting of the convention center that makes it doesn't work because there must be like too much blue light or not enough red or whatever. The ceilings are like They're, three stories high. So they halogen have halogen bulbs. And it's just halogen bulbs all over the place. No so, natural light. And so in the sun, it works. And it works at your kitchen table at home because you whipped it out right there and then his game, everybody. Mm, Calm down, be mature. <laughs> he whips it out right then and there. And we're like, what's wrong, Ben? You're like, the game, it doesn't work. <laughs> He doesn't, like, who are you? Who are you? He's in Ben panic mode, Sir Weenie mode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was Sir Weenieing up really hard. And then, like, it, it works. I literally, like, just, like, sit down on the on the bed. And... You can see it. All of a sudden, your soul came back to your body, and you just collapse into the bed. Ugh! <laughs> as you fall backwards. <laughs> this is a relief. Uh, so, yeah, it was, like, two hours. Terrible panic. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. I wonder if they know. Yeah, that was that, that was kind of rough. Uh, <laughs> Horrible experiences in the tabletop industry. Well, I'm excited, Ben, because next week we're gonna knight someone. Woo! So we should probably get out of my car in the parking lot of Protospiel, turn off my iPhone, and get back in there so you can run your mega game, right? Ah, uh, yeah, that's happening tonight. What? What? Do we, what's that social? What? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am BK Game Design. Burger King Game Design. Yep, yep. So you I make games king. for Burger King. Mm -hmm. uh, Sneak King, that was me. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the Tuesday Night Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please tweet us at PlayTKG and send us an email with comments, questions, or night submissions. Your terrible experiences. I want to hear your terrible experiences. Yeah. Most of the things we get are nice, happy, and feel-good experiences. Most of them. So yeah, send in some, send in some shit. I want to hear your dirt. I'm nervous to even release this episode because it's, this story doesn't make me look good. It makes me look petty and fragile and just weak. Who cares if my name's not in these five games that I felt like I really contributed a lot to and I can point out specific rules. Well, that I'm was so my... glad you told me because now I can go on BGG and have that linked for my uh, game design profile that, you know, I'm credited on Dome Crossers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening. And I think with that being said, this episode Finish. is... I've... I've never... <laughs> <laughs>